In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast out of a desire to love our neighbor well and to protect the most vulnerable among us from this awful virus that is ravaging our city, our state, our nation, and our world. We have continued to suspend in-person worship. And this morning, as we see the news that the virus is worsening and spreading faster around our country, I'd like to begin worship this morning by pausing for a moment of prayer. Will you pray with me? Holy God, you hold all things together. We know you created a good world for us to live in. A world full of mountains and rivers, full of sunsets and oceans and and beautiful sights. And people who are so capable of love and care and mercy. But our world is also flawed and broken and is sometimes subject to things like famine, war, and disease. Lord, as we watch the reemergence of COVID in our country, we sometimes feel helpless to do anything about it. We have doctors and scientists and, and people who are working on solutions, but it doesn't seem to be fast enough because we're losing thousands per day, God, just in the United States alone. And Lord, you know the suffering. You you have heard the cries. And even though we don't understand why this is happening, we know that you walk with us through times of suffering. And so we pause this morning, God, to pray for the state of COVID in our country. We pray, God, for the doctors and the nurses who are on the front lines of our efforts to stop COVID. For the people who are trying to use their medical training to heal, to use the resources that are at their fingertips so that none may may die, but that mothers and fathers and and brothers and sisters and children would be returned to their families, that friends would someday uh, be reunited in joy rather than in mourning. Lord, we pray for those who are suffering, for those uh, cases great and small, for those who are on ventilators, to those who are are experiencing fatigue and, and some of the more minor symptoms, God. We pray that you would be near to them, that through all of the suffering and the pain and the hurt, that you would be walking with them through this. Because we know that your son, Jesus Christ, understood human suffering. And thus you understand human suffering. We pray for family members of those who suffer, friends of those who suffer, that their grief would be turned into joy, But in those instances where healing does not occur in this world, God, that you would bring your comfort and your solace. And God, we pray that you would be with those of us who, who have not yet 
come in contact directly with the virus. We pray that we would be doing what we can to care for our neighbor, even when it makes us uncomfortable, even when it inconveniences us, and even when we don't want to. We pray that we would heed the, the advice of those who are working so hard against COVID. We pray that we would see the, the precautions against it not as encumbrances, but as different ways to love our neighbor. And Lord, there, there are so many things that we've lost this year and so many things that we've given up. Family get-togethers, birthday parties, weddings, funerals that are all on hold. And we know people are angry and we know people are grieving, but God, I pray that you would give us your peace and patience. Lord, it is through you that we can make it through life. It's through you that all things are possible. Help our eyes and our faith and our focus to be on you now, knowing that when we love you well, we love our neighbor well. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Just a couple of things I wanted to draw your attention to this morning. Uh, if you are listening to this before 11.30 a.m. Pacific time on the 15th of November, 2020, uh, we are having something called curbside communion. It will start at 11.30 on the 9th Avenue side of our church. So our church is located at the corner of 9th and John Adams. And we ask that you would pull up with your car on the church side of 9th Avenue, or 9th Street, rather, 9th Street, <clears throat> uh, as if you are, are heading up the hill. And uh, you'll, the, the directions will be apparent. Uh, your, the first car in line will receive communion, and then they'll go on, and the rest of the cars will pull up. Um, there's more information about this in your Friday email. And if you did not get a Friday email or, you know, for one reason or another accidentally deleted it, um, accidentally or on purpose, I don't know, it doesn't hurt our feelings, uh, you can email baptist.church at comcast.net and we'll be happy to send you more instructions. On the 22nd of no November, so next Sunday, we are having our Pi Socially Distanced uh, that clever name was the idea of our director of worship and youth, Melissa Mellinger. Uh, it, it's very simple. Uh, we have our Zoom coffee hour from 11.30 to 12.30. And before the Zoom coffee hour, whether you get up early on Sunday or you do this on Saturday, make a pie. It could be a dessert pie. It could be a savory pie. It could be a microwaved Stouffer's chicken pot pie. It doesn't even have to be Stouffer's. It can be the store brand. I think they taste the same. And, uh, and so you can make a pie and bring it to the Zoom coffee hour on the 22nd. And we will be a bunch of people showing off our pie and eating our pies together in fellowship uh, with one another. Also... Uh, we are having a Christmas cookie recipe exchange. It doesn't have to be Christmas cookies. It can be any cookies, 
But this time of year, a lot of people like to drag out the carbs and the sugar and the chocolate and the decorations. Uh, so if you have a cookie recipe that is your pride and joy, that you would want to share that joy with other people, you can email it to the church office, baptist.church at comcast.net, or you can find our mailing address on the church website, and you can send those in. We would like to have those by the 30th of November because then we'll put those together, send them out to people, and on a Zoom coffee hour in December, we will eat our cookies. So there you go. We are glad that you are worshiping with us today. We pray that you are encouraged by worshiping a living God, not a God made out of human hands, but by a living God who loves us and cares for us and reigns over heaven and earth. Sing a little louder, 
comes to fight for me. Sing a little louder in the presence of my enemies. Sing a little louder, louder than the unbelief. Sing a little louder, my weapon is a melody. Sing a little louder, heaven comes to fight for me. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Most holy God, to you we lift up our souls. To you we offer our praise and prayer, our worship and thanksgiving, even our very lives. Make your ways known to us. Show us the path on which we should walk. Lead us in your truth and teach us, for you alone are the God who saves, the God in whom we trust, and the one on whom we wait. We have many prayer requests to lift to you, Father. There are those who are ill or going through chemo radiation treatments. Others are having difficulties with relationships, unemployment, or depression from the continued lockdown. We have a number of prayer requests from people not associated with our church. A gentleman who is having marriage difficulties and is asking for healing and restoration in his marriage. A request to pray for Jim and Faith Ledbetter, who have contacted COVID-19. Jim is the former executive minister before Steve Bills. We pray that you, God, will be with them as they try to recover from this virus. They have had many illnesses and are very vulnerable to the virus. I also pray for Penny Carroll's daughter as she and her husband are searching for a house. Help them to find one that will fit their budget. We lift Pastor John's family, especially his mother, Diane and Sister Mary, to you, Lord. Give them comfort and peace during this stressful time in their lives as they deal with Mary's cancer. Be with Mary as she is scheduled to have biopsies on the tumors and also be with the physicians as they determine best how to treat her. And Lord, I lift up Pastor John and Katie to you. I ask that you place a mantle of peace around them as they deal with Mary's illness from a distance. Many of these prayer requests need healing, and you, Lord, are the source for healing to occur. 
I call upon you and confess our need of you. We need your healing and your grace. We need hope restored. We need to be reminded that you work on behalf of those you love constantly, powerfully, completely. Forgive us for trying to fix our situations all on our own. Forgive us for running all different directions and spinning our wheels to find help when true help and healing must be found first in you. Forgive us for forgetting how much we need you above everyone and everything else. We come to you and bring you the places we are hurting. You see where no one else is able to fully see or understand. You know the pain we've carried, the burdens, the cares. You know where we need to be set free. We ask for your healing and grace to cover every broken place, every wound, every heartache. Thank you that you are able to do far more than we could ever imagine. Thank you for your mighty power that acts on behalf of your children. We reach out to you and know that you are restoring and redeeming every place of difficulty, every battle for your greater glory. Thank you that you will never waste our pain and suffering. We love you. We need you today in Jesus' name. Be with our pastor today as he brings a message from your word. May his message be spirit-filled. And as always, may everyone who hears this podcast be blessed by it. In your holy name, amen. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on the footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ for this will bring much glory and praise to God. You must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to him, both now and forever. And now, just as you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. I realized that my heart was bitter, and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and arrogant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, 
but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus, our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep growing in knowledge and understanding. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to God in the church and in Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Our scripture for the morning is Isaiah chapter 55. We're going to read the whole chapter, but my, my focus this morning is going to be on verses 8 through 13. But sometimes it's good for us to read a, a big chunk of scripture uh, for us to have context. Because it's, it's real easy to cut and paste whatever you want to out of of scripture, but when we, when we have a big chunk, we know where we've come from so that we know where we're going. So here is Isaiah chapter 55. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. Come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. See how I used him to display my power among the peoples. I made him a leader among the nations. You also will command nations you do not know. And peoples unknown to you will come running to obey, because I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously." My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. 
For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where nettles grew, myrtles will sprout up. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. They will be an everlasting sign of his power and love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Once upon a time, Katie and I were in charge of a community garden. We started off with four garden plots, And then the next year, by a a generous donation, we tripled the size, and we were at 12 garden plots. And the first year, we learned everything not to do, uh, but still had a, a decent crop nonetheless. The second year, we really hit our stride, um, and and really kind of figured out how to space things out so they would grow a little bit more seasonally. And we planted uh, greens and everything at the very beginning and harvest them right as, uh, as things got really hot and then waited until um, things were starting to cool off a little bit, planted more greens, had more greens by the end of the, the growing season. But the thing that fascinated me were radishes. I loved planting radishes. Do you know why? Here, I'll tell you why I love planting radishes, is they grow super fast. You can plant radishes and water them like twice, and boom, you see something. It's progress. It's instant progress. It's like there's, uh, there's cup of noodles that you, you pour the boiling water into, and suddenly you've got dinner. I mean, radishes were great, and they were pretty, and we had gotten seeds for this this different variety of radish that were kind of longer and cylindrical rather than squatty and round. And the place where our garden was, uh, there were, was a, a heavily Latino neighborhood. And at our favorite taco joint, they had radishes out on the salsa bar. And so we thought, yeah, let's grow radishes. This will be great. Well, then I just kind of got obsessed and a little carried away with radishes and I started planting radishes everywhere. And it, <laughs> it did not make Katie very happy because, because I would call them secret radishes. She would be weeding the lettuce and there would be some radishes. <laughs> we had planted some corn stalks and there were some radishes. Uh, just anywhere I could possibly fit some radishes in, I did. Well, the problem was they grew fast, and if you, if you let them grow too long, they became these monster radishes that would crack and split, and if you plant too many radishes, you find out that 
people only are interested in eating so many radishes and they don't want radishes after a while, after, you know, like the hundredth radish. So ultimately, I had to chill out on planting the radishes. We like things that grow fast. We like things that move fast. And I think one of the things that has really kind of bogged us down as we've gone through these past few months, past several months, I can't say few anymore, these past several months of uh, dealing with COVID and precautions and, and, uh, and the pace of life is it has gotten so much slower. And we had been trained and conditioned to go, go, go so much that when the opportunity came for things to slow down, no matter how much we had said beforehand, oh yeah, I can't, I can't wait for things to slow down one of these days and I'll be able to do this project and that project and get this done around the house and that done around the house and clear out the garden so I can plant more radishes. We had all of these plans and then we suddenly had the time to do them and we didn't quite know what to do with ourselves, some of us. Maybe I'm just speaking autobiographically here, but I don't think I'm alone. We, we don't always know how to handle the slow-growing periods of life. And even when, when life is more fast-paced and, and we have obligations and responsibilities to fulfill and things like that, we still don't always know what to do with the day-to-day, week-to-week, sunrise-sunset grind of life. Because if you're anything like me, sometimes days felt like they, and still feel like they run together. And you, you wait for something to happen, and you wait for something to happen, and, and you wait and wait and wait, and finally maybe something happens, and then... Life moves on. In some churches, in some uh, parts of our, our Christian family, our brothers and sisters in Christ, they call the time between Pentecost and Advent, so roughly the end of May, beginning of June, and roughly the end of November, beginning of December, common time or ordinary time. And it just means the normal time of life. You know, in Advent, we focus on the coming of Jesus. In Christmas, we focus on God becoming flesh. Uh, Through Lent, we focus on preparing our hearts for the death and resurrection of Jesus. At Easter, we rejoice in his resurrection. Um, And at Pentecost, we celebrate the Holy Spirit. But then the rest of the year, it's just kind of ordinary time. And that's reflective of the way that I really like that because it's reflective of the way life is. Life is not day after day of big holy days, big celebratory events. There's a lot of days that just feel common. They just feel ordinary. And these churches that that call it common or ordinary time, they often put the color green with it. Green for growth green for green things that come out of the ground. Because 
we think when we have times in our lives that are full of pressure, that are full of difficult moments, yes, we grow very quickly under a whole lot of pressure. But I think, I hope I'm not alone in saying that a lot of times we, we live through a lot of days where we grow very slowly. Growth for followers of Jesus, for his church, and for his individual followers of Jesus, is a process that we might call sanctification. Sanctification is not about behaving better. It's not saying, okay, I, I'm going to you know, try to be a nicer person. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that, that I don't say mean things. It's not about behaving better. It's also not about trying harder. It's not about saying like, oh, I'm, I'm going to make sure that I read uh, three chapters of the Bible a day so that I can get through the Bible uh, once a year, every year. It's not about trying harder. It is about growing our roots down deep into Jesus and allowing our rootedness in Christ to come out in the rest of our lives. Jesus lived and, and roamed and taught in a very agrarian society. And he told lots of parables and lots of stories that were based around that society. And our creative scripture reading today that we, we had just before the, the sermon um, was one of those parables, the parable of the sower. And he used these agrarian stories because he was speaking to agrarian people who would understand how things grew. And the Bible, if you really look at it, is full of stories about green things growing. Where does the Bible start? The Bible starts in a garden. Where does the Bible end? The Bible ends in a garden. We are reading a book that is bookended by gardens, presumably where you can grow radishes. And so many stories in between, okay, I'll stop with the radishes. So many of the stories in between have to do with relating deep truths of following God to growth. To, to raising things out of the ground. And Isaiah 55 is no different. Uh, because what we, what we have here is the image of God as gardener. We have the image of, of what God does in our lives as, as his people, both the, the collective and the singular, to grow us into what God wants us to be. Growth as the people of God looks at the Father as the master gardener. In this passage, we see God giving us everything we need for growth. What do we need? What, the, what does a plant need to grow? It needs good soil, it needs a seed. And it needs water and sunlight. And in this passage, 
You look at verse 10. The rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow. We have the ground. We have the water. We have the grain. But this is being done as a result of God's word. That's what we find out later, is that this is an analogy for God's word. God gives us his word. And I'm not exclusively talking about scripture. Though the reading scripture is a way to get God's word into us. And I encourage you to read God's word. But I also encourage you to read God's word with people. I encourage you to read God's word with people who challenge you. As difficult as it is sometimes, read God's word with people who disagree with you. Because if people just agree with you all the time, then you never really, you don't grow so much as you just find people who agree with you all the time. But we also hear God's word through sermons. We hear God's word through music. We hear God's word through the writings of of spirit-anointed Christian authors. And I don't just mean nonfiction. Uh, If you've never read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis, do it. If if you like to read, it's going to take you about maybe, like at most, even if you go get a couple of cups of coffee, stop to go get coffee a couple of times, um, it's, <clears throat> it's maybe going to take you uh, an hour and a half, two hours. It's not a long read. It's a children's book. But C.S. Lewis somehow tells the full story of the death and resurrection of Jesus and introduces us to life following Jesus in that book. It's beautiful. But when we receive God's word, it's done by the work of God himself. God plants that word within us. We receive it, yes, but God plants it into us. And that word, like a seed, gets watered so that we grow. If you've ever raised a garden when you're getting ready to make that garden, you have to do some sort of work with the soil. And if you're like Katie and I and you live in an apartment, then you, you have to get window boxes and containers and things like that. And then you have to lug the 50-pound bag of soil up to the third floor of your apartment and cut it open and find a way to dump it into the pots without the dirt going through the slatted uh, patio and falling down on the people who are in the patio below you. Uh, It's a very tricky process raising a garden in an apartment. But if you're raising a garden from just your backyard, you may have to till up grass. You may have to pull weeds. And after you've tilled that grass and pulled those weeds and cleared away brush or something else, You have to keep fighting with that grass and those weeds and everything else. 
And this scripture in Isaiah 55 testifies to that. Where once there were thorns, where once there were nettles, it doesn't say that what grows up, kind of grows up in the middle of the thorns and the nettles. It says that there once were thorns, there once were nettles, and now there's not. Now something else is going to grow. And something that we don't like about growth, especially growth as followers of Jesus, is it's a constant pruning process. It's a constant weeding process. It's constantly clearing out that old brush so that new life can grow. It's really easy for our new life in Christ to get choked out by our old life. And again, this goes for the collective of God's people, but also for us as individuals. God's people have all sorts of traditions and ways and thoughts and desires that we, we cling to, and some of them are not bad. Some of them started off with great intentions, but if all of these things stand in the way of true growth, of our life being rooted in Jesus and life coming out of that, then we have to face the fact that anything that stands in the way of God's word growing in our midst and God's work happening among us, it's got to go. And the same thing goes for us as individuals. If there are ways and practices and allegiances that we hold on to that stand in the way of our roots being exclusively planted in Jesus, those things got to go. One of the hardest lessons that we had to learn from that community garden was that you can plant a couple of seeds and a few plants will spring up and sometimes you just have to pluck one of the, the weaker plants and get rid of it. We wanted everything to grow. We wanted everything to live. We didn't want to have to get rid of anything. But sometimes, for full life to happen, you had to prune. You had to separate things out. But we do this with God's help. Because again... God is the master gardener, and it's through God that all things grow. And then we have to wait. And man, the waiting is the hardest part. Going back to the garden analogy, if you've ever raised a garden, there are, are things that you plant that, yes, come up quickly, but there are things that you plant that you have to wait all summer for. The first year that we had that community garden, we had to wait so long for chili peppers, and I was excited for chili peppers. I knew that, yes, the community garden was for the community to come and take food from, but I also was excited to snag a few chili peppers for myself. And I waited, and I waited, and, and they had the blooms, and I waited. And I'm going, come on. You know, we've got all of these tomatoes. I can go to the store and get onions. 
I just need chili peppers so that I can make salsa. And by the time the chili peppers were finally like coming into their own, the tomatoes were on their way out. And that's just the way things worked. But sometimes we have to wait. And while God clears out, if we let him, God will clear out the nettles and the thorns and the things that are competing for true growth in our lives. He wants to bring up cypress trees. He wants to bring up myrtle trees. And those things take a long time to grow. You look around you here in Oregon where we live, and there are trees everywhere, but they didn't get there overnight. They've taken a long time to grow. And we had these wildfires back in September that destroyed so much forest. And the encouraging thing is that there's, there's new growth that's happening already, but it's going to take a while for, for things to look like they once did. It's going to take a while for life to fully return to that forest in the way that it once did. And sometimes growth means day by day being faithful. Because we remember that our thoughts and our ways are nothing like God's ways. That God created time and he ordered time for, for humanity, but God's time is a lot longer. He has a lot longer scope of time than we do. You know, we may know 70, 80, 90, 100 years. You know, some people may know 100, 110 years on earth. But God knows the ages. From age to age, God is. And when we hear things like, my ways, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine, we have to know that God's timing is going to be worth it in the end. The wait is going to be worth it because God plants a promise right in the middle of all of this. And it might be my favorite promise in all of Scripture, one of my favorite promises. It's up there, top 10. It is the same with my word, I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. In another translation, it says, my word will not return void. It won't return empty. We may have to wait. We may have to endure the pain of pruning and, and clearing that out, and we may have to work at clearing out these these things in our lives with God's help and these things in our church with God's help for as long as we live. But for all of the work that God is doing in us and all of the waiting that we have to do, it is not without purpose. It's not without reason. It does not come back empty. God doesn't plant seeds that don't grow. 
When God plants and tends to a seed, it grows because God is the master gardener. And when we see what God is raising, the way that we recognize what God is growing in our midst is because it is an everlasting sign of God's power and love. It brings joy. It brings gladness. It brings peace. It brings goodness. It causes the, the mountains and hills to burst into song, the trees of the field to clap their hands. Because this is what happens when God grows something and when we're willing to be patient and engage with the process. God is a master gardener. And we as God's people need to allow the gardener to do his work. Because when God's work comes to fruition, we see beauty and love and joy and peace that is beyond anything we can imagine and that points to God's everlasting love for us.
apart for you, my master, ready to do your will, ready to do your will. We come now to the time of the Lord's table. It is the table set for us by Christ. If you live in the greater Oregon City area and are listening to this before 11.30 a.m. Pacific time on the 15th of November 2020, you are welcome to drive over to Curbside Communion um, where we will celebrate the Lord's Supper car by car. Uh, we will not be having Zoom coffee hour this morning. But if you do want to receive communion via Zoom, uh, please contact the church and we can set that up uh, later on in the week. If you're not able to make it to the church, um, we are going to celebrate the Lord's table uh, here and now. So come to the table together. The table of bread is now to be made ready. It is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. It is the table of sharing with the poor of the world with whom Jesus identified himself. It is the table of communion with the earth in which Christ became incarnate. So come to this table, you who have much faith and you who would like to have more, you who have been here often and you who have not been for a long time, you who have tried to follow Jesus and you who have failed, come it is Christ who invites us to meet him here. In this we proclaim to you a mystery. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ is coming again. Let us pray. Loving God, through your goodness we have this bread and cup to offer, which has come forth from the earth and human hands have made. May we know your presence in the sharing so that we may know your touch and presence in all things. We celebrate the life that Jesus has shared among his community through the centuries and shares with us now. Made one in Christ and one with each other, we offer these gifts and with them ourselves a single living act of praise. Amen. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Considering what Christ did for us on the cross, take and eat. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. Remembering what Christ did on the cross and looking forward to the day when we will drink it with Christ anew. Take and drink. For every time you eat this bread 
and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's pray. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. We thank you for worshiping with us this morning, and we pray that as we have sung and prayed and proclaimed God's word to you, with you, that you would have experienced the encouragement and peace and love of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that you would have known the presence of God through the Holy Spirit wherever you are. I'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger, our Director of Worship and Youth, for leading us in song. I'd like to thank Jeannie Vance for the prelude, which was How Great Thou Art. I'd like to thank Jim Leatherman, for leading us, our church moderator, for leading us in prayer. I'd like to thank Katie Witham for leading the First Baptist Church readers in our creative scripture reading. And I'd like to thank Gary and Doreen Hunley, our audio engineers, for making everything sound good. And remember to love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands. <laughs>